there's a story behind the recording of this interview, and I cannot wait to tell you. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. I'm still in California doing a West Coast swing of interviews, and I got a tip on an incredible cabaret singer named Francesca Amari. She's based in Palm Springs. So I reached out to her, and she quickly agreed to be on the show. She was doing interviews at a local TV station to promote her upcoming concerts. So we made a plan to do my interview at the station. And then at the very last minute, the room that we were supposed to use in order to record the show was unavailable. I was already on my way, so we punted. And this interview took place in my car, using all my remote recording equipment, in the parking lot of a hotel right by the 10, which is California's mega highway. But before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about her. Francesca is a master at the craft of cabaret singing. She has performed at some of the most iconic jazz and cabaret clubs from New York to Hollywood, including Birdland, the Metropolitan Room, the Catalina Jazz Club. Her tributes to Linda Ronstadt and Gilda Radner are instant sellouts. We bonded over our mutual love of our idol, Linda Ronstadt. So I just couldn't resist singing just a little bit with Francesca. Check it out. Tell me, when will I be loved? Not too bad, right? I started out by asking Francesca what it is about Linda's voice that drew her in. What does she love the most about Linda Ronstadt's music? It's always been how she sings a story of a song. But there is something visceral for me that happens when I hear her voice and my heart like does a little pumping and it gets fast. And I think it's, yeah, and I think it's because she's sort of got this thick, chunky voice, but it also can be ethereal and light and airy. So it made me, from a teenager, realize that this woman is so strong, but she can do anything she wants with her voice. And that means she can do anything. She's a 12-time Grammy winner. And I've played her songs a million times on the radio. (laughs) Your tribute is called Different Drum, the music of Linda Ronstadt. So tell us all about it. Take us into the performance. What songs do you sing? I do, I think, a really good mix of songs that people know and expect. And probably I don't do some of the songs that they are expecting. But that's because when I do cabaret shows, I also like to remind them or introduce them to things that they might not have heard. So I do, of course, Heat Wave and Blue Bayou and Just One Look and Tracks of My Tears. My favorite of all time is Long, Long Time. So it's been really interesting lately to see this huge resurgence of it for her. And I love that, that this whole new generation of people are finding this song that she created and she was the first person to record it so you know she had always done covers but then she's always done originals too but I also do like a Jimmy Webb song called The Moon is a Harsh Mistress that was on my demo tape way back in the day and people have never heard that song can I tell you a funny story about that when I interviewed Linda Ronstadt years ago on the radio I told her that I had done that song on a demo and she said boy that high note's a booger isn't it The one thing I get a lot of today is that, and I'm short, I'm little, people say, man, that's a lot of voice in that tiny body. And I want to say, it's because I copied Linda Ronstadt. (laughs) You know, I was trying to find my way, of course, but you emulate the people that you really love. 
and she sort of taught me how to sing. I never took voice lessons. I just would listen to what she was doing with her voice. She didn't change her tone or anything. And so when I was in New York for just a year and I took a vocal coach lesson and the guy said, oh my God, this was before mixing was like a big thing. He's like, you're doing this mixing naturally. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He said, there's no break in your voice. It just goes from low to high with no change. And I'm like, thank you, Linda Ronsadat. (laughs) When you are doing a tribute to people and you talked a little bit about, you know, you sing the hits because when people come, that's what they're expecting to hear. Mm -hmm. So you have to be a bit of a mimic but you also need to be you, Francesca, and that's the art. That's the entertainment part. It is. And I think I've been really successful at doing that because people have come to expect that I am going to tell the story of the songs that Linda Ronstadt made famous, but I tell them with my own little twist or my my way. And it's all inspired and influenced by her. And then there is your love of Gilda Radner. Yes. And your show is called A Love Song to Gilda Radner. This requires your musicality, Francesca, but it also requires your humor. It does. Because boy, was she funny. She was really funny. And I actually, from the very beginning in that show, I never impersonate her. I do voice. Rosanna Dana? I you don't do, do voice Rosanna Dana? Like I say they're sort of signature things and I tell stories about them. But the reason I put that show together wasn't to be Gilda Radner. It was just to talk about her and celebrate her. And she also sang and she played the piano. So she was really musical. And so there's a lot of musical stuff out there to find. And I think people are surprised by that because they thought she was the Saturday Night Live girl. And that was it. That's where her talent was. It's like, no, there are so so many talents. So it's really fun because I can tell all these funny stories and they come right from her. So people are laughing, not at me. They're laughing with me because we're celebrating Gilda Radner. We just lost Burt Bacharach, yeah. 96 years yeah. old. Brilliant singer, songwriter, amazing yeah. producer. Iconic hits with Dionne Warwick and Jackie DeShannon. You've got a show called Where the Boys Are, Beatles, Bacharach, and more. Tell us all about that. I put that show together because I'm so associated with female singers and I love some of the male songs. And even in bands, I never get to sing the boy songs. So I wanted to do the boy songs. And so I do this show and I do Jackson Brown and Bob Seger and Jim Croce. And Burt Backrack is an easy one because I can actually do a girl song, but it's Burt Backrack And some Beatles tunes. And it's just so much fun. And it's funny because I was trying to figure out which Burt Backrack songs I wanted. If I do like anyone who has a heart and walk on by. I've always loved the song Alfie. Musically, I could never bridge that. There's like this scary part of the song because he takes songs into really funny, interesting places. And I thought, I don't want to massacre that song. I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, I love that show so much because people don't expect me to do Jackson Brown or Bob Seger. They don't expect that. They expect Dionne Warwick and Karen Carpenter. (laughs) Well, my impression, though, Francesca, is there's so much material here. Yeah. From cabaret to jazz standards to pop to Broadway to big band. How do you pick the songs? Do they just reach out to you and touch your heart? How does it happen? They pick me. Yeah. I've been doing a weekly live stream since the pandemic began called Cocktails and Cabaret. And... I think two weeks after the whole lockdown, I had a weekly gig and it had gotten canceled. So like two weeks went by, I'm like, I got to sing. So I just turned on my Facebook and played my little tracks and sang. And then my friend Wayne, who plays for my Linda show and my Gilda show, 
started joining me. We're in week 150. The first year, I hardly repeated any songs because there is so much. But I would tell people, it's like, I don't know why these songs just sort of popped into my head this week, so I'm singing them. Or maybe I was in the car listening to the radio and it made me think of a song or a song came on. But I really do think songs pick you and you sing them for a reason. And the songs that I think are the most moving for audiences are the songs that pick you because you're supposed to sing them. This love of music, Mm -hmm. of performing, of entertaining people, of just the love of song. Where did this start for you? Tell me how old you were when you first started to sing. The family lore is that in my second year of life, we were at some place in Indiana and I was in, I think my uncle's or my cousin's arm singing a song at a bar or something. But I have five sisters, and so there's six girls, and five of the six of us sang together as a group. And my mother was very musically inclined, never did it, but she would teach us the harmonies of the Lennon sisters, and we would learn, and we'd have, you know, the little tape recorder that you press down, and we'd listen, and then we'd play it back and listen again. And so we would sing at, like, Elks Clubs and different places. We were the Amari sisters. And was this happening in Indiana? Uh, This is Battle Creek, Michigan. That's where I grew up. Just from the very beginning, we just all sang around the house. There was always music. I also have a show called Hip to be Square, and I built it around my love for Johnny Mathis because try being a 16-year-old, you know, when Queen was popular and the Eagles, and and I loved all that music, but my heart was with Johnny Mathis. And you were all by yourself in that love in high school, I'm sure. I built a whole show around him. My parents loved music so much that we had every kind of music you could think of. Um, And I make a joke about it because we had the greatest Yiddish hits ever, but we also had the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Monkees and Barbara Streisand and Dean Martin. You know, we had it all. And my parents, like, there were no bounds about the music we listened to. And I I think that's so important for kids is to really be immersed in music, all kinds of music. For most artists, at a very early age, deep, deep down inside, They know they are destined to do this. Mm -hmm. Was that you? Music was always a part of my life. I sang, I did theater. And when I got to college, (laughs) I got a music scholarship. I hit my freshman year and I couldn't read music. I didn't know the notes. And I was with kids who had been playing instruments since, you know. And I lasted just a year in the music program because I also rationally thought, you know what, I can sing no matter what. I don't necessarily, I don't want to teach music. And that's what I'm going to learn with a music degree is how to teach music. And I didn't want to teach music. So I got my degree in broadcasting and journalism. I sang all through college and then I stopped and started doing my real world. And finally about in my mid twenties, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not singing. So then I got a job as a singing waitress and then I started doing theater and it all came right back. Music has to be in my life and it has been. Ever since. Now, when you say that you got a broadcasting degree, there's another thing you and yes. I have in common. <laughs> Were you on the radio or did you um, work for a TV I, station? What I did, did you do? I worked for a newspaper when I first graduated from college. And then I moved to Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is sort of, I consider that my hometown. I had gotten recruited to work at some radio stations in Michigan. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I got recruited for a radio station job in Petoskey, Michigan, right out of college. And I'm like, no way. It's so tiny. I want to go to a big city. And of course, now it's like, why didn't I go to Petoskey, Michigan and retire there? But so I did some part-time work on radio stations as a news. I was a 
jazz overnight DJ. It's just little part-time gigs here and there. You know, it's interesting <laughs> that you said, though, that at some point you realized, I need to be singing. Mm-hmm. And that is really a chapter in women's lives that I've been learning more and more about with every woman I interview. It's almost as if we wake up one day and go, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong movie. Mm-hmm. I, I got to change where I'm mm-hmm. going here. Did that happen for you? I had maybe four years where I just was working. I was just doing, and I was, I had moved to a new city for my job. And so I was making friends and just doing the work thing and going to bars. And, but I'd go hear music and I'm like, oh man, there's like, I have no avenue for this. And I'm not me without an avenue. And even to this day, people meet me and I'm quite reserved and shy, except for when I'm on the stage. And I have like friends of my husband say, this doesn't even seem like the same woman because she's like so quiet and reserved. But there's something about getting up on a stage that that's my home. I'm more comfortable on stage than off stage. Love of cabaret. Mm -hmm. How did that come into your life? I guess in the mid 90s, a friend of mine took me to a cabaret show in New York. And it was just like this, oh, this woman singing Barbara Brussel. She lives here in Southern California. She was awesome. And she sang like this huge variety of songs. They weren't I can't even remember what the theme was. Musical theater songs, pop songs, jazz stuff. And I realized that that's sort of what I had already been doing with my music. Like I never stuck to one genre. So I really started exploring the whole industry of cabaret. And I took master classes and I met the great people in the industry and learned how to put a cabaret show together and how to put a theme together and how to pick music. So it really just opened my eyes. And it was also, I think at the same time, I was auditioning for theater and not getting the parts I wanted. I could sing them, but I didn't look like a soprano. And I didn't look like an ingenue. I sort of looked like the character actress, you know. So I realized that cabaret was sort of the way I could go to sing the songs that I needed to sing. How did you end up in California? (laughs) So I was living in Grand Rapids. And this is uh, 2009. Facebook had just started like 2008. I was on Facebook and I had been booked for a a theater, a show to do in Mesa, Arizona called Midlife, the Crisis Musical. I had done two other tours of it. And my mother got sick with pancreatic cancer. My father had already passed away, but I was sort of my mother's right hand person, you know, with her bills and everything. So she got sick in March and I was going to leave in July. And I said, oh, mom, I'm going to cancel this contract. She's like, no, no, no. You, you've done everything for me the last few years since dad died. You know, you just go. So I thought, well, I'll just see what happens because I was going to cancel going. And my mother died on July 1st and I was set to leave July 22nd. And then at the same time, I was teaching at a university and the class I was teaching, they reconfigured it and they stopped it. So I went to Arizona to do this show, and I posted on Facebook. I'm doing Midlife the Crisis Musical in Mesa, Arizona. I'm so excited. Well, this friend of mine that I had known in high school, he was actually engaged to my best friend, hadn't seen him in 30 years, was living in San Diego, and he saw my Facebook post, and he's like, Francesca, I'm going to come see you. I'm like, yay. So he came to my show, and it was like fairy dust just sprinkled on us. And within weeks... We're like, okay, do you move to Michigan? Do I move to California? And I'm like, well, the universe just sort of opened up this path for me now. So everything I do is freelance. I'm going to move to California. So that was August of 2009. In January of 2010, I moved. And then we got married in June of 2010. (laughs) So the short version of the story is that you followed a boy to California. I did. And I remember I wrote an email to my sisters 
because I'm not that person. Within weeks of meeting Dan and said, I think I'm going to move my dog. I'm going to pack up and move to California. They're like, what? What? You don't do that stuff. I'm like, I know, but this is it. This is what I'm doing. You know when you know. And of course, it's midlife. I was in my midlife. So you know, you you don't want to let anything go by that that you need in your life. Live performance requires a connection to your audience. How do you accomplish that? I am really an honest singer. I screw up on stage. I own it. I laugh at myself. I look at people when I sing. I don't sing over them. I just think I'm really human, and I'm not afraid to say, oh, I've never done this song. This is new. Oh, this is hard. And I also tell stories, and I I like to tell the story of the song or tell the story of the people singing the song. So I'm sort of educational, and I think people like that. I always talk about this song hit number one. And uh, you know, and I give them like the history, like a lesson. disc jockey on yeah, the radio. Yeah, and that's probably what it, it's from—is the back selling of the, <laughs> the song. In your opinion, what are the keys to being a successful performer of any kind? As soon as you hit the stage, you have to let go of whatever is happening in your life. You know, you just have to say, okay, for this hour, I'm focused on Linda Ronstadt and her life and her music and these words and I always think I picked these songs that are in a set list for a reason because I needed to sing them so let people know that you want to be singing these songs and you're happy about it and that really translates I think people saying you're so happy when you're on stage it makes me happy and so I think that's what you have to do and you have to be real with the song I don't have the greatest voice but I'm authentic when I sing and I don't sing like a high note if it's just to sing it and and dazzle you with my high note or my, you know, I don't do any of that stuff. So I'm probably boring to some people, but I just feel like you have to be real. You have to sing the song because the song is what you're delivering to somebody. It's the story. I know this is a hard question, but if you had to choose, what is your favorite song to sing? (laughs) That's so good. It's like, which child do you love the most? Right. (laughs) I always say my three favorite ballads are long, long time. Blame It on My Youth and My Foolish Heart. And I think it's because those are all like songs of regret or, or opportunities that you didn't get. We all have moments in our lives where we've decided this didn't work or something was decided for us. Wait for the day You'll go away Knowing that you warned me of the price I'd have to pay and lives full of flaws who knows the cause I'm living in a memory of a love that never Try and change your mind And I think I'm gonna miss you For a long, long time Cause I've done everything I know To try and make you mine And I think I'm gonna love you 
So I think those songs of missed opportunities and longing really speak to me. Francesca Amari is a tour de force, and this car interview was far from over. I've got more of her music and her story next week on the story behind her success. Follow Francesca Amari on social at Francesca Amari and check out her website for tour dates and more. It's Francesca, A-M-A-R-I dot com. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know? Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. When we share our stories, no matter where we are in this great big world, we provide a roadmap for the next woman to follow. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.